Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. I'm recording this 27th episode of All Things from My Basement, where I have seven puppies with me. My yellow Labrador retriever just gave birth three weeks ago, and we have seven delightful puppies. It's so much fun. My family is over the moon. Now, I'm considering that source of joy in life at the same time as I'm thinking about things like the demonstrations in Hong Kong and the thousands of students that are setting out every day for the for for democracy and i'm thinking about the lives that were lost in the bahamas because of hurricane dorian and the lives that were lost in texas in the most recent shooting and having that feeling that i know you must feel every day where you're holding things of grief and things of joy at the same time and in the same hands. We walk through that every day, don't we? That is the, that's just the reality of the lives that we live. And I think we walk through it even more than perhaps past generations because also in our hands are our smartphones. We have in our hands these screens that show us really good news and really bad news and everything in between. Very, very often, maybe every few minutes, every time we glance at our phones, we're holding grief and joy in our hands. Now, phones and screens are of particular interest to my family right now because of my three kids that are still at home, two are in schooling situations where they have to have screens in front of them in the classroom. So one kid has to have a phone because all of her learning applications and assignments and school announcements, all the communication is happening on a phone-based app. Another kid needs um, to either use school computers or her own laptop in the classroom to log on and do work in both English class and math class on a screen. So screens are heavy on our minds. We gave our 12-year-old and 14-year-olds um, iPhones, the old iPhones for Christmas. So they're outdated iPhones that do not have cell coverage, but they can have Wi-Fi coverage. And then we gave our 16-year-old an iPhone that does have cell coverage and it has a phone number. And then, of course, our husband, my husband and myself, we have iPhones. And so we're thinking all the time about how these phones are blessings. They are really helpful. They help our kids keep in touch with us. They help them stay plugged in at school and stay in touch with their friends who are all over the world. They help me and my husband with our work. Work. But we also know that phones can be used for evil. These screens can be a blessing or a cursing for our good or for our bad. So that's heavy on my mind today and what I want to talk about on this episode of All Things. Did you guys know that American adults spend more than 11 hours per day watching, reading, listening to, or simply interacting with media? That's according to a study that was recently conducted by Nielsen. That was actually conducted a year ago. Now that's up from nine and a half hours five years ago. So it's climbing. We've gone, our screen usage has gone up by two and a half hours in just the last five years. And what is also interesting is that the study says that adults are watching more than four hours of TV a day, which I think is crazy. More than four hours of either recorded programming or live programming a day, but 11 hours overall. And then for kids, according to a study by the American Heart Association, kids ages eight to 18 are spending an average of more than seven hours a day looking at screens. um, Experts say that parents should limit screen time for their kids to a maximum of just two hours per day. And then they say just one hour per day for children ages two to five, which I would say sounds pretty high. And if a mom were to ask me for advice, I would say, if at all possible with your toddler, limit screen time to maybe a 20 minute show a day, get your shower in that 20 minutes, um, or maybe even less, maybe no screens as often as possible. And you're only using screens when you really have to, like when you're really sick or your kids are sick. Bottom line, you don't have to be told this. I already know this. We are all spending way too much time on our screens. We know we shouldn't. We know it's a problem. We know there's huge risks, but I'm going to repeat them here. I'm going to dedicate this episode of All Things just to just repeat what is true about our screens because I don't know if you're like me, but I need to rehearse what's true. I'm so easily fall into fleshly habits, so I need to rehearse and remember 
Why are screens a problem? Well, for one, they affect our health. Screens can cause obesity because they can make us sedentary. Screens can affect our sleep. Our sleep, you know, the blue light that we know that comes from our screens, they can cause sleeplessness and they can mess with our natural sleep cycle. Screens can cause behavior problems. Research shows that elementary school age children who watch TV or use a computer more than two hours per day are more likely to have emotional, social, and attention problems. Screens can cause education problems. Elementary school age children who have televisions in their bedroom do worse on academic testing. And I would say now it's not just TVs, but it's iPads, it's phones, it's computers in your elementary school age child's bedroom, probably a bad idea. And of course, screens can also affect um, our physical health when it comes to violence. Kids and adults can easily become desensitized by watching too much violence, whether it's on TV or in movies or in video games. It can lead to kids and frankly, adults imitating what they're seeing on the screen and losing empathy for real life violence. Screens also affect our ability to think deeply. They are affecting our brains. You may have heard of smartphone brain drain. It's documented that our smartphones are actually making us stupid. A study conducted by the University of Chicago in 2017 shows that just having your smartphone close to you is a problem in two ways. One, it distracts you from the task at hand. It affects your ability to remember information temporarily. So it's that feeling of like, wait, what was I just doing? What was I just thinking about? And Two, it reduces your ability to handle more complex cognitive actions like remembering and processing data. So your ability to solve new problems or to see patterns or to really think deeply. If your smartphone is always close to you, and that's probably all of us, it's making you dumb. The results make a strong case that we should leave our phones in another room if we want to do well on a task. Study participants with phones in another room greatly outperformed those with phones in their pockets or on their desks or in their backpacks. Um, screens affect our concentration. Maybe you have experienced sitting down to read a book or a magazine or your Bible, and you find that you really can't get into it. I am experiencing this and it's kind of freaking me out. I will sit down to read and my eyes are suddenly like darting all over the paper. I'm fidgeting. I can't settle down. I can't really calm myself and get into the text. Well, neuroscience has in fact shown us that humans use different parts of the brain when reading from a piece of paper and when reading from a screen. If you read from a screen often, then you're engaging in non-linear reading. You skim the screen and your eyes dart all around and you're just trying to pick up little tidbits of surfacey information. Well, linear reading is different. It's deep reading. Like when you dive deep into a novel or a difficult article and you stay focused for great lengths of time. The problem is that we've just adapted too well to reading online. So we're not using that deep reading part of our brain and we're losing that deep reading part of our brain. Screens affect our spiritual lives. Karen Swallow Pryor recently wrote an article for Christianity Today entitled, Screens Are Changing the Way We Read Scripture. This is important. This is what she says. From the carving of the Ten Commandments to the writing of the Torah to the copying and distribution of letters in the early church, God's plan was for his people to read. However, as the way we read in this digital age changes, so too the character of the church will change. So this just harkens back to what I just said about the brain drain issue. Studies show that more than half of Bible readers use a Bible on a screen to read the Bible because it's convenient. It's always there. I don't have to go get my Bible. I can just turn on my phone. Well, if that's the case, then what are we losing for the sake of convenience? We're, lo we're losing concentration. We're losing context. We're losing 
reading that text in the wider text of that book of the Bible or that testament of the Bible or the whole Bible. We're losing the concordance in the back, the end notes, the footnotes. We're losing the maps. We're losing just all the things that help us to understand the wider text. We're losing the deeper meaning of the text at hand. Swallow Pryor says, in a word-centered faith, now think about that word-centered. Just let me pause really quick. The Bible is the word. Jesus is the word. God used words to create. We have his word in the Bible. So we are a word-centered faith. The ability to read well is central. As a people of the book, Christians have a particular calling to preserve and promote the gift of deep reading from physical Bibles. So maybe consider flipping your um, paper Bible next time rather than your screen. So we've covered the negative impact of screens on us physically, on our brains, on our spiritual lives. Well, screens really also affect the heart, don't they? We grow idols we didn't even know we wanted to worship when we're staring at our screens all the time. When we see what others have and how others look, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or whatever, or maybe you're just looking at a beautiful website that's curated beautiful images of home decor or maybe sports or athletes or whatever, we covet, we compare, we lose our own contentment as we see you know, people with more beautiful things and more beautiful lives. We look at ourselves too. We become extremely self-focused. This has been an interesting thing for me to think about as I'm reading a book called Competing Spectacles by Tony Rinke, that we really star in our own reality show as we brand our images online. So whether I, I like it, whether I want to admit it or not, my social media profile is like a brand. I'm promoting an image to the watching world. And that sounds so yucky, but it's true. We decide what we want to show and what we want to hide. And then we go back and look, well, what do people like? What are they clicking on? What are they liking? What are they loving? What are they commenting on? How many readers am I getting? Our hearts truly are being changed. Our hearts are manufacturing idols, as John Calvin said, um, just through these little screens that are in our pockets all the time. Screens are also affecting our ability to be rooted and content and present right where we are. We live in a transient age where people are moving across the globe and across the states all the time. It's so easy to forge connections with people far away. You can even have deep online friends that you never meet in person, but this can negatively impact how deeply rooted we get in our physical geographical community. I've seen this happen at missionaries, church planters, students, families who relocate. You just maintain your friendships online, but then you're physically isolated and lonely, and it is not for our good. Screens affect our rest. They affect our Sabbaths, our quality family time. It's almost impossible to rest when you have your phone on you or near you. You're always reachable, whether it's for it's for work or for ministry or even just good things. You're reachable. You are always working. I know for me, it's very tempting to just quick reply to that email, quick reply to that text. Oh, this seems so important. Like these people have got to hear back from me right now. It's just not the case. But they're affecting our Sabbaths. They're affecting the quality family time, the way we engage with the people that are around us. And this is particularly a problem if you're a parent. In a 2015 survey, one third of children reported feeling, and this is, so 2015, this is four years ago, one third of kids, I've got to imagine it's higher now, reported feeling unimportant when their parents looked at their smartphones during meals or when playing together. The study says even replying to a quick text message could be sending your child another message that your phone is more important than he is. Ugh, I don't know about you guys, but that is like a kick to my gut. So what is a person to do? What is a parent to do? How can we keep these phones from taking over our lives and our brains and our hearts? How can we be good phone users? So here's what we talk about all the time with 
our kids. So since our kids have screens now, I'm just constantly having this conversation on a daily basis, literally daily. It's not saved for like one special time, but I'm daily bringing up three areas, three primary areas. This is not exhaustive, but three main areas where I have concerns for my kids. The first is pornography. I'm constantly saying to them, once you see something, you cannot unsee it. It is with you and it will affect you. So pornography, you don't even have to be looking for it. It will find you. All of my daughters shared a Pinterest account and indecent images came across that even, even though I had parental controls on that account, even though I was always looking at it, I felt like there were images that my girls did not need to be seeing. They were not pornography, but they were not edifying. So in other words, pornography will find you. And pornography is a growing problem, not just for boys, but also for girls. Girls are looking at pornography at an alarming rate. So just if you have daughters, don't think your family is immune. So pornography is my first concern and something I'm talking about with my kids all the time. Secondly, social media can and will suck the life out of you. Social media just can take a ton of time. It can lead to comparison. It can steal your joy. It can cause you to covet or to lust. Social media is hard enough for me as their mom. I'm in my 40s. I am you know, very secure in my identity in Christ. I feel content in so many ways, but it can even steal my joy. It can even cause me to covet. It can, it can be a spiritual problem for me. So if that's true for me, how much more true is it for a 12, 14, 16-year-old girl who is finding her way, who is forming her identity, who is being shaped by the things around her. Social media can really be really damaging to our kids. Um, Currently, my kids don't have Facebook and Instagram. That's partly because they don't super want it, which is nice. Um, One of them does have Visco, which if you're a parent of a teen, you probably know what that means. It's kind of like a a minimal version of Instagram. Um, I do imagine that they'll get Facebook or Instagram soon. It's not that they're not allowed to have it. It's just that we're going to, we're going to embark in that area together slowly and carefully. And currently they don't have it. And then the third area where I feel primary concern for my kids is just that they never get to unplug. They never get to be a kid. If they come home from school and they've had a screen in their hand because of school, and then they come home and they're still plugged in to their social lives and to maybe announcements from school, then they're never really resting. And I think this, especially for social girls, you know, if the gossip is continuing through texting or whatever, they they don't need to be constantly communicating with each other. I want them to be able to rest. So we do have a designated spot in our kitchen where everybody puts their phones when they come home and it allows my girls, um, it goes face down, they can't see, they can't hear notifications and it allows them for the evening to just be a kid and just, just be at home. And here is briefly what we're doing as a family. My husband and I have been really rule averse um, as as parents. We just don't like to make rules, but we do like to just discuss things, principles, um, what we think are good guidelines for the kids. And we try to just have conversations where they can come to the same conclusions that we have without making these black and white rules all the time. We recognize that our phones are helpful. They are a blessing. So we don't want to just say, you know, phones are bad and banish them or all screens are bad and banish them. But we we would just want to be using them reasonably. My husband and I want to be using them reasonably. We recognize that the more we use our phones, the more we want to use our phones. It's like an addiction. It's like eating sugar. The more sugar you eat, the more sugar you want. It's like your brain has to have it. But the flip is flip side is also true. If you've ever had a media fast, you know that the first couple of days were awful. The first few days that you fasted from your phone or whatever, you were like, it, it was just it was terrible. You wanted to know what was going on all the time. But then a few days in and you 
realize, well, actually, this is awesome. I feel a lot freer. I feel less burdened. I feel less weighed down. So it's good to to take a break. So we know that the more we cut back from our phones, the more we will be willing to cut back from our phones. We want to reduce our connectivity. We want to reduce our gluttony in this area. We want to be a good steward of the people in our lives, the gifts God has given us, our skills, the hours in a day. Our lives are not our own. They were bought at a price. These lives belong to God. So how should we be spending our days? We know that we need to get some significant distance between us and our phones. So like I said, we have that space. It's kind of our, maybe one of our, the best things we do with our phones is we have a space in the kitchen where phones go. Our kids' phones never go upstairs or downstairs. They never go into their bedrooms. They always have to be in a public place. And that's mostly true for my husband and myself. Sometimes I take mine into my office and he takes his into his office. But for the most part, phones and computer screens all must be in public places. We also want to make sure we're not on our phones during meals, when we're reading our Bibles, when like when I'm writing or working, when we have guests over, when we're having a family night or playing a game. Certainly when we're not when we're sleeping. And then also on Sunday, this is an area I'm just going to admit right now, I really need to work. Um, Sundays at our church, our staff communicates by Slack on our phones. And so it makes it hard to get off my phone after church, but I need to be doing that. I need to be taking Sunday afternoon at the very least off of my phone. Then also as a family, we are endeavoring to follow Andy Crouch's guidelines and his book, Tech Wise Family. You should definitely read that book. Excellent read. We had our kids read it as well. But Andy encourages you to fast an hour a day, a day a week, a week a year from your phone or from screens. Um, And we're doing that as a family, albeit imperfectly, um, but I do think it's really wise. As far as parental controls go, parental controls are really important. We've used the Circle by Disney. We've used Triple X Watch. We've used Covenant Eyes. The parental controls on iPhones are really good right now. So we have you know different controls set on all of the apps for all of our kids' phones and screens. We see a, an exhaustive history of everything they're doing on their phones. They know that nothing is secret, nothing is private. Um, we read everything that they get on email and text, and um, we go through like the Visco stream every day and just everything that's going on. They know we're going to see it. We all, my husband and myself included, endeavor to evaluate our screen time regularly. Now, it's super convicting. You can see that iPhone app um, that's on settings now. You can see screen time, where you're spending your time online. And again, um, screens are great for things like the audio Bible or texting or emailing others or listening to an audio book. Um, so the the t- whole number may, might not be helpful, but it might be helpful to look at how many times a day are you picking up your phone? How many times a day are you looking at social media? Those things that aren't necessary and you can sort of wean yourself off of. Um, and then let's see, other things. My husband and I have full access to everything on each other's phones and computers. And we save TV and screen watching mostly for the weekends. Unless we have a leisurely family night, our family really avoids screens um, during the week. So those are just some things we're doing as a family to minimize the damage that screens can be doing to our bodies, to our minds, to our hearts, to our souls. It's something that I just need to be repeating to myself, hence the podcast. Something that I hope has maybe given you some food for thought as you think about your relationship 
relationship with your screens, as well as your kids' relationships with their screens. My hope is that we all, all things, right? All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, including our iPhones. So we need to be using them for our good and for his glory. Thanks so much for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now. I look forward to chatting with you next week. Thank you.